Chapter 33 of Clinical Medicine for Nurses by Paul H. Ringer, A.B., M.D. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Reading by Matt Perard. Chapter 33 Exophthalmic Goiter Graves Disease. Exophthalmic goiter is a disturbance of nutrition due to a disordered condition of the thyroid gland. This gland, like the adrenal glands, the ovaries, etc., furnishes to the body what is known as an internal secretion, i.e., a secretion that is not given off through a duct, but that comes off from the body of the thyroid itself and spreads about through the tissues. The nature of this secretion is not well understood, but its presence is essential to life. It is generally believed that exophthalmic goiter is due to an excessive secretion on the part of the thyroid gland, the evidence for this belief resting mainly on two facts. 1. The conditions of mexedema and cretinism, which are positively known to be due to insufficient thyroid secretion, present a picture which is diametrically opposed to that found in ex ophthalmic goiter two cases of exophthalmic goiter are almost invariably made worse by the administration of thyroid extract which contains the active principle of the secretion of that gland exophthalmic goiter is not a rare condition and is assuredly met with especially in its milder forms more frequently than is generally believed to be the case the earlier forms are so like mild cases of neurasthenia that this diagnosis is more frequently made. Women are more frequently affected than men in the proportion of eight to one. The disease is one of early and middle adult life, occurring usually between the ages of sixteen and forty. As predisposing causes are mentioned, emotional shocks and worry though it is probable that in these cases the disease was latent and that its symptoms began to show themselves after bodily and especially nervous resistance had become lowered the actual cause of the disease is unknown symptoms there are five characteristic symptoms of exophthalmic goiter one goiter two exophthalmus bulging of the eyeballs three tachycardia rapid heart action four tremor five nervousness the onset of the disease is very gradual the patient usually complaining for some weeks or months of increasing nervousness palpitation shortness of breath and inability to perform ordinary duties without undue fatigue in a well-developed typical case, the neck is prominent from the swelling of the thyroid gland. The eyes are staring and bulge perceptibly. The heart action is rapid from 120 to 150 per minute. There is palpitation accompanied often by a choking sensation, and slight exertion brings on marked shortness of breath. When the hands are held out and the fingers spread apart as far as possible, a very fine tremor is observed in them, and, as a rule, the hands sweat profusely. There is intense nervousness. The patient starts at the slightest sound. 
there is inability to concentrate the attention on anything for any length of time, and the patient's spirits are poor. The appetite is bad, the tongue is coated, and constipation is frequent. There is almost always marked loss of weight and insomnia. At times there is a low grade of fever, but this is not a prominent symptom, save in the most severe cases. Some of the classical symptoms of exophthalmic goiter are very often absent, notably that of goiter. The protrusion of the eyes may be extremely slight, but cases are on record in which it has been so marked that the eyes could not be closed and eventually the eyeballs slowed away. Tachycardia, tremor, nervousness, with slightly staring eyes, are the symptoms most commonly noted. Prognosis. It has been said that exophthalmic goiter is a, quote, a disease from which patients never recover and never die, unquote. This is hardly true. It is better to say that few recover and some die. Recovery in the fullest sense of the word is not frequent, the best results usually being the restoration of the patient to a condition which enables her to lead a happy and useful life, but one during which she must be ever careful not to overdo, and during which she must take longer or shorter periods of rest in order to tide over the times when the thyroid again begins secreting too actively. Treatment As far as the general management is concerned, a routine is indicated which strongly resembles that advocated for cases of early pulmonary tuberculosis. For details, see chapter on tuberculosis consisting in rest in the open air and abundant, nutritious, and easily digestible food. Nervousness is generally best dealt with by means of continued rest, warm baths at night, and the administration of full doses of the bromides when necessary. It is not considered good practice to give morphia or any of the preparations of opium to these patients. Iodine is a drug that sometimes helps these patients and sometimes seems to make the condition worse. When used, it is usually given in the form of potassium iodide and the syrup of the iodide of iron. Iron in some form is often given, as there is usually a moderate degree of anemia. The use of extracts of the thymus gland and the use of thyroidectin which is a substance made from the blood of sheep whose thyroid glands have been removed, have benefited some cases, while in the majority of instances they have failed. Surgical Treatment Surgery has been of greater benefit to cases of exophthalmic goiter than has medical treatment. Two main surgical procedures are in use. One, Resection of a portion of the gland, usually not over two-thirds. 2. Legation of two or three of the four thyroid arteries in the hope of lessening the activity of the gland by limiting its blood supply. Probably the best treatment for a case of exophthalmic goiter is surgery in the hands of an expert, together with careful previous and subsequent general management on the part of the general practitioner.
End of chapter 33